Section forty one of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter sixty nine. London, April twenty seventh, Old Style, seventeen forty nine. Dear boy, I have received your letter from Vienna of the nineteenth New Style, which gives me great uneasiness upon Mr. Hart's account. You and I have reason to interest ourselves very particularly in everything that relates to him. I am glad, however, that no bone is broken or dislocated which being the case, I hope he will have been able to pursue his journey to Venice. In that supposition I direct this letter to you at Turin, where it will either find, or at least not wait very long for you, as I calculate that you will be there by the end of next month, new style. I hope you reflect how much you have to do there, and that you are determined to employ every moment of your time accordingly. You have your classical and several studies to continue with Mr. Hart. You have your exercises to learn, the turn and manners of a court to acquire, reserving always some time for the decent amusements and pleasures of a gentleman. You see I am never against pleasures. I loved them myself when I was of your age, and it is as reasonable that you should love them now. But I insist upon it that pleasures are very combinable with business and studies, and have a much better relish from the mixture. The man who cannot join business and pleasure is either a formal coxcomb in the one, or a sensual beast in the other. Your evenings, therefore, allot for company, assemblies, balls, and such sort of amusements, as I look upon those to be the best schools for the manners of a gentleman, which nothing can give but use, observation, and experience. You have, besides, Italian to learn, to which I desire you will diligently apply, for though French is, I believe, the language of the court at Turin, yet Italian will be very necessary for you at Rome, and in other parts of Italy, and if you are well grounded in it while you are at Turin, as you easily may, for it is a very easy language, your subsequent stay at Rome will make you perfect in it. I would also have you acquire a general notion of fortification, I mean so far as not to be ignorant of the terms, which you will often hear mentioned in company, such as Ravelin, Bastion, Glacis, Contrascarpe, etc. In order to do this, I do not propose that you should make a study of fortification as if you were to be an engineer but a very easy way of knowing as much as you need know of them, will be to visit often the fortifications of Turin, in company with some old officer or engineer, who will show and explain to you the several works themselves, by which means you will get a clearer notion of them than if you were to see them only upon paper for seven years together. Go to the originals whenever you can, and trust to copies and descriptions as little as possible. At your idle hours, while you are at Turin, pray read the history of the House of Savoy, which has produced a great many very great men. The late king, Victor Amity, was undoubtedly one, and the present king is, in my opinion, another. In general, I believe that little princes are more likely to be great men than those whose more extensive dominions and superior strength flatter them with a security which commonly produces negligence and indolence. A little prince, in the neighborhood of great ones, must be alert and look out sharp, if he would secure his own dominions much more still if he would enlarge them. He must watch for conjectures or endeavor to make them. No princes have ever possessed this art better than those of the House of Savoy, who have enlarged their dominions prodigiously within a century by profiting of conjectures. I send you enclosed a letter from Comte Lascaris, who is a warm friend of yours. I desire that you will answer it very soon and cordially, and remember to make your compliments in it to Comte du Perron. A young man should never be wanting in those attentions. They cost little, and bring in a great deal, by getting you people's good word and affection. 
They gain the heart, to which I have always advised you to apply yourself particularly. It guides ten thousand for one that reason influences. I cannot end this letter, or, I believe, any other, without repeating my recommendation of the graces. They are to be met with at Turin, for God's sake, sacrifice to them, and they will be propitious. People mistake grossly to imagine that the least awkwardness, either in matter or manner, mind or body, is an indifferent thing and not worthy of attention. It may possibly be a weakness in me, but in short we are all so made. I confess to you fairly, that when you shall come home, and that I first see you, if I find you ungraceful in your address, and awkward in your person and dress, it will be impossible for me to love you half so well as I should otherwise do. Let your intrinsic merit and knowledge be ever so great. If that would be your case with me, as it really would, judge how much worse it might be with others, who have not the same affection and partiality for you, and to whose hearts you must make your own way. Remember to write to me constantly while you are in Italy, in the German language and character, till you can write to me in Italian, which will not be till you have been some time at Rome. Adieu, my good boy. May you turn out what Mr. Hart and I wish you. I must add that if you do not, it will be both your own fault and your own misfortune. End of section 41. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.